Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. I feel like I'm sitting with the very right people. Aaron Velke, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. Good I'm, to see you again. Likewise. We, uh, we've connected, I think, maybe three or four times. In like a month. In, in a month. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. I've been here since 79, and I, I haven't seen anybody as many times as I've seen you. I don't think very many people are as intentional about the power of people in meeting uh, as well, I Well, maybe this guy that you brought along with you. Probably right. We'll introduce him <laughs> in a second. Yes. So, Aaron, you and I met through Conscious Capitalism of Arizona, I believe. Kendra yep. Maples was our... Anchor? Kendra, Kendra was a connector. Yay. Yes, Kendra uh, does her show with us, Culture Crush, and is a very dear friend. And Aaron is the CEO of Get Out of Your Own Way Coaching and Money Club. So we'll get to hear about that this hour. And you've brought with you Devin Butler. Thank you for having me. Super oh. excited to be here. Yeah, and Darren walked in and said, or excuse me, Devin, I don't want to say Darren. I'm combining, combining your names, like, you know, um, Brangelina or something, or however that goes. <laughs> I've got Darren here. Jesse Ray. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Jesse, who had told me about you, and I think Aaron had spoken about you as well, certainly in an email introduction before we knew you were coming today. And hats off to you. You've got a great reputation, and people love you, and you're a true connector, just like Aaron is. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what Aaron said. There's so much power in connections and building relationships with people, and Aaron's one of the best best people I know at connecting with with other people, so... Thanks, man. Hats and off did to you, you, man. Did you know each other prior to him landing here in Arizona? No. So he actually reached out to me, similar to how Jesse did before he got out here, reached out to me, wanted to get connected. We met probably twice, met up for coffee, and, and since then he's connected with me with so many people. And, yeah, he's one of the best connectors I know, him and Jesse, honestly. So it's coincidental that they were both on here. I love it. And uh, am I the only person who doesn't know you? I feel like that's probably. the <laughs> And now I can't say that anymore. But So uh, Devin, for those of you that don't know, is the founder and CEO with Arizona Entrepreneurs, as the hat says. And yes, I read your bio, majorly impressed. And you've done a lot in your short time here on earth, if I could be so bold as to say, said the lady with gray hair in the room. Uh, let's have you introduce yourself as well as Arizona Entrepreneurs, and then we'll have Aaron do the same about his businesses and the work that he's doing. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. So I, I moved here about three years ago from Michigan. And when I, are you, are you from Michigan? No, but oh. three years ago? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Time's flying, but it, it hasn't been that long, I suppose. But yeah, when I got out here, I knew I really wanted to connect with other people. I needed to get connected with other people in the entrepreneur space because I was really passionate about starting businesses. And it's crazy because what I was looking for to connect and build relationships with other entrepreneurs was actually like what kind of led me into starting Arizona Entrepreneurs because I saw there wasn't really a lot to a lot for people who really wanted to um, expand their network, essentially. So that's when I decided to essentially go all in and start to build out this community, start hosting in-person events and really just facilitating relationships. And I've since then gotten connected with some amazing people, which I'm super grateful for. How did, if you've been here for three years and you were doing in-person events and then there was this weird little pause <laughs> called COVID, yeah. how did you manage that? So the first year I was here, the first year, year and a half, I had actually started different businesses all of those businesses did not work out, but that's kind of what led me into starting Arizona Entrepreneurs. And we did our first in-person event. Our two-year anniversary was the beginning of October. So we did our first in-person event around like 
February of 2020. So it was right after okay. like the yeah. mandates got lifted and everything. I think that's honestly why it got so much traction early on because there wasn't People any other ready. events. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Careful, cautious, and ready. Yep, yeah, exactly. And I love that you shared, and we'll talk about this with all three of us for that matter. Uh, you had started a couple other businesses and none of them worked out. I think it was no. your language. <laughs> Aaron's shaking his head. <laughs> they done that. Right? Yeah. If you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> you know the pain. <laughs> So that's exciting. Well, thank you for the brief introduction. And Aaron, how about you? You've not been here very long either. I've been here like 100 days. <laughs> like something crazy like that. And it was like June. with a wife and a child. Yeah. Baby, brand yeah. new. Brand new baby. Brand new city. This is interesting because I haven't had this thought yet. I now feel very connected here. And it's, I've been traveling. I was gone the last five days. But to come back, I wouldn't say this feels like home yet. That, that takes a little time, but I do feel very grounded here, which is an impressive thing for 100 days. And you look forward to coming home. I do. Yeah, it was great to be away, but I'm excited to be here and to start building something here with, I think, the, the little man being the center point is really exciting. So good. Yeah. Tell us about your businesses. So I've also had several stories that don't end well <laughs> along the way. <laughs> woo woo! Yep. Yeah, super proud of that. We need, you know what? Real quick, we need a sash like Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts with the badges. Oh man! Of all the ideas that either never never got off the ground, or and the man. ones that got off the ground but limped along, or those that completely crashed and burned. Oh, My sash that. would be front front and back full. Same, I would same. I would have a jumpsuit, just <laughs> <Yeah>. straight <laughs> jumpsuit. <laughs> so I've got two of them. One is called Get Out of Your Own Way Coaching, and that is. Coaching, it's masterminds, it's retreats. So I do some workshops for companies that are around team building and things like that. What's been really interesting about that in the course of my, my patches that are failures, that brand name says exactly what we do. We move people out of their own way. And some of that's awareness, some of that's some emotional intelligence, some of that is reframing perspective, mindset, some of those things. And it's really neat to see what that does for a person over the course of three months, six months, a year, five years, it, it is a trajectory changer. And I'm, I'm really happy with that. I've, I've learned a lot about what it means to be a coach. And in the world of 2020, I think coaching got a little bit nuts. People were just slapping coach on their, their like resume and saying, I, I coach. And I would say by the definition that most people know coaching, I'm an anti-coach. Like I don't, I don't want to sit here and, and challenge you in your business only. The whole goal is to transform a human. And if you transform a human, raise their limit, the rest changes with them. So, I always so, say it's below the belt. <laughs> yeah. We're going for that undercurrent, right? The part that we can't see. The iceberg, yes. right, at the top of the water. Yes. A lot of people are trying to hit there. You're talking about underneath that, that Very massive much. space. Yeah, and it's harder to reach there. And a person has to be much more willing to sit in a conversation that isn't, how do we 10x your business? How do we 10x you? How do we remove your fears, remove your beliefs, and remove the patterns that aren't going to get you where you want to go. So it's a, it's a really meaningful program. The other one, Money Club, started as a nonprofit to teach kids about money. We made a sport out of money. And that one scale was largely volunteer-based. We ended up converting into a venture-backed business. And we built this tech platform, spent like a quarter million, almost 400 grand on a tech platform to teach kids at scale. Well, we finished in like January 2020. So by March, education had become a dumpster fire. And that product had to just be shelved. So we pivoted into employee wellness. So now we go into companies that have really connective culture or they want to have better culture, that want to talk about meaningful things, that want to maybe bring their staff into an event and an experience that isn't what it used to be anymore and now is a bit more relevant. 
And we teach them about credit, about investing, about managing their dollars and financial wellness, less from the perspective of what a financial advisor would talk about and more from a behavioral psychology mindset, baby steps. Here's your roadmap to long-term success. So we get to come in and work with companies that they're really badass. They care about their people. And that's a divider in itself. And we come in to be that extra 2% that nudges them beyond just we care. Like, no, 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 we're, we're invested in you as a person outside of the office, which is, is now, in my opinion, what's happening in, in workforces. If, if you don't do that, you're rather replaceable as an employer. So it's exciting. The executive team who says yes to bring you, bringing you in obviously cares deeply and understands that financial well-being is an important part of personal and professional development, mm-hmm. right? Rather than being the one who's, you know, or the team that stands above the, the massive folks, the constituents, the stakeholders, and says, hey, we're the, we're the smartest people in the room and we're the ones who are the wealthiest. Yep. <laughs> Look towards us. These folks that you're working with are saying, let's share that wealth and let's help people figure out how to get out of their own way. Yep. <laughs> And, and nice yeah, merch. exactly. I, I nice just landed merch. on that. Perfect that you created that. Uh, what a gift for those, those employees and those employers and, of course, the community at large. I mentioned that Aaron and I met through uh, Conscious Capitalism of Arizona. And we really, are you familiar with Conscious Capitalism? Okay, well, you're going to be today. <laughs> I'm going to run with it. And there, there goes the interview. Uh, it really is a phenomenal movement, worldwide movement, around seeing that capitalism is a force for good. And it's all around finding the win-win among all stakeholders, not just the, you know, the, uh, the investors or the customers and clients, but the community, the providers, the vendors, and the employees, everyone. And so when we're asking questions as business owners, we should ask ourselves, how can we make this decision so that everybody wins, right? And no one knows, I mean, there's obviously going to be some slight sacrifices and things that you do, but how do we give back to the community as we grow and prosper in the business and service that we provide. So uh, you that. naturally need to be a part of that. 100%. <laughs> so is it like in-person events? Is it a virtual thing? How does that look? Yes and yes. Yeah. Yes. So there's a chapter here in Arizona. Mac 6 is owned by the McIntosh family and McMartin Investments. And uh, Scott McIntosh is the one who brought Conscious Capitalism of oh, Arizona, okay. or excuse me, to Arizona. I think we are about the fourth chapter at that time. And I can't remember how many years ago. Maybe Aaron remembers seven years ago, I think. Something like that. And uh, and now I think there's over 300 wow. chapters worldwide. And so, we, yeah. Yes, there are tons of in-person events, some are networking, some are educationally based, some are, you know, guest speakers or panelists coming in, and there's several books to read that will help just cement in the whole idea around capitalism as a force for good and sustainability in your business and, of course, your community. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get you connected yeah, with the let game. let me know more about that. <laughs> yes, good. Uh, I'm very curious about both of your backgrounds. So, you're telling us what you're doing right now and a little bit about how you landed here. How did you, I mean, before these other businesses, in, you know, at 2017, you graduated from college. Is that right? Uh, yeah, roughly. 2019, actually. Yeah. Zing. No <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I hear you. I, Listen, when I was with Jesse and Derek and the Growth House team that we already gave a shout out to, I just sat and looked at these people who are my kids' age, right? Mm-hmm. And was in awe of not only the magic in relationships, also, their commitment, kind of to use Aaron's language, of get, their commitment to getting out of their own way and really being intentional. Mm-hmm. And have you, you haven't met Jesse. I think we asked you that. I don't think so. I, it, you need to connect with him. Can uh, we in jump fact, out of a plane too? Yes, we do <laughs> yeah, jump out I'm of in. planes. <laughs> we just did that two weeks ago. We're doing it again. And I know you two have already done it. We talked about that. 
Um, are you part of the immersion program that, that yeah, Jesse's? Yeah, I'm going to be there. Me too. Yes. I, I'm, I'm going to have to go the day you're you're speaking. Okay, deal. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what day that is. I think it's the 10th. Okay. But I'll be there the 3rd and the 4th just as a one-on-one coach. Okay. And then, you know, we'll just see where else there makes. I think there's a panel and anything. But if you are not familiar with these two gentlemen here and the Growth House, these are folks, regardless of how old you are, <laughs> <laughs> these are people you need to run with. What is the saying that's on the back of Jesse's shirt, right? The, the You are the people that you spend yeah. the most time yeah, with or something. Yeah, you become who you surround yourself with. Right? Yeah. So yeah. true. And and you've made that commitment in 100 days to land in Arizona and get, uh, get really comfortable very quickly about who you want to be of service to and who you want to run alongside prior to this decision to move to Arizona and these two businesses. Tell us about Aaron the Younger Years. Well, well, <laughs> in West Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, Back on a rainy day. I, I started to read that book, Will, and it's uh, my business partner had written a note in the front of it. He gave it to me. He was like, hey, man, this like he re- whenever I see Will Smith, it reminds me of you. And it was such an awesome compliment. And that book is very, very good. So my, my whole vice through like high school, even college was sports. I played soccer. And my whole arc in entrepreneurship, really the first time I got paid as a coach, for soccer was the first time the light bulb turned on. And I was like, you get paid to do what you love? What? And it really opened up an entire chapter in my life. I coached for about 12 years. I published a book on it. And that experience taught me everything about life, about business and people. Coaching girls soccer. And I coached, I don't know, over the course of 12 years, you coached so many people. And I had to deal with, I was, you know, 23, 24 when I started. I had to step into conversations that were wildly uncomfortable for that age. I had to I had to wear older brother, sometimes parent. I had to deal with things like suicide watch or parents dying on the watch of like a 12-year-old, like just really deep stuff. And that is where I learned how to build confidence, talk to people, connect with people, bridge difficult dialogues and conflict. And that whole arc is now why I'm a coach for people that want more out of life because the the players, they wanted more. And almost everything that occurs in sports occurs in entrepreneurship. Almost everything. Just a different game. So it's the same sport mentality, same sport ideology. Your philosophies are generally the same. You still have to work hard. You still have to play in a team, whether you believe it or not. Win, you lose. Yeah, you win, you lose. You have to deal with failure and your relationship with failure has to be really solid. That kicked off my... The, the idea of Money Club came from working with kids and being around kids. And I'm like, what are you learning in school? And being really not frustrated <laughs> about what they were learning and yeah. not learning. So that that arc really started there. Prior to that, my, my first job out of college was a maintenance technician. So I went, I was like cleaning shit. That's what I was doing. And I had wait, a degree wait, in college. Wait, 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 wait. A maintenance technician? That was my first job. Yeah, well, what does that mean? So during <laughs> I've college. I've never heard that, that title before. So, Sounds very professional. That was a maintenance guy. So dur- <laughs> during college, right? My, my water heater went out. I was fixing it. And it just so happened that the maintenance supervisor on the property came in. He was like, you you can't take this apart. You you can't. Man. There's a gas line here. And I was like, look, listen, the gas line's off, all this. My dad was a handyman, entrepreneur, <laughs> demolition guy. So he was like, you want a job? So at that time, I was like painting during the summer. And I, I paid for my extracurriculars with, you know, fixing stuff around that property. And after college, I graduated in 09. So similar to, to what it was in 2020. And every finance job I got, my degrees in financial economics, was like, we'll give you 23 grand a year and you have to make 10 hours of phone calls a day. It was like financial, you know, advising more or less. 
And I was like, this is, this is not going to work for me. So when I was looking, the company I worked for had multiple properties on other college campuses. And they were like, we need help in the summer. Can you come help? And they were like, you know what? You're pretty flipping awesome at this. And you have a college degree. We'll give you 45 grand a year and a free apartment. And I was like, huh, well, hey, I could go call people about things I don't care about, or I can be out in sunshine fixing stuff and like meeting people. So I did that. And that led to management and all kinds of other things. But concurrently, I started coaching soccer and that was the light bulb for me. My whole journey started. I've, I've been fixing problems since I was really young. And now I just fix bigger problems. And that's what, that's what makes it for an amazing lifestyle. You solve bigger problems, you get paid more. Right. Fascinating. And how about you? So, what are your um, humble beginnings? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I really didn't start to think as an entrepreneur. I I feel like that thought started to come out around like sophomore year of college. So really, only like four or five years ago. And for me, like same thing. Sports background, played football in high school, and then got the chance to play in college. And for me, I I really wanted to go to the NFL, even though I was at a Division two school in college. I knew it wasn't very realistic, but I, I wanted to play professional sports, and football was the main focus that I had early on in college. It was about my sophomore year of college. I had a knee injury and it was like the first or second game of the year. So I basically had to sit out the remainder of the year. And it was the first time where I like came back to reality and was like, okay, football might not, might not last forever. Studying business management. What business do I want to manage after college? I think someone bluntly asked me that question, like what business do you want to manage? And I was like, it's a good question. I don't, (laughs) I don't think I want to manage any of them. Um, but I think really that like even going into that degree path was I was thinking entrepreneurially. I just didn't know that that's exactly what I was looking for. But around that sophomore year of college, I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. So many people have the same paradigm shift to that book. But that book really just completely changed my perspective and my way of thinking. It was interesting because like I was so passionate about football leading up to, the, to that sophomore year of college. And I remember like after that. I started to like focus a lot more on personal development and wanted to start businesses and football kind of took the back burner. I I could notice it like even, you know, talking to my teammates in my play and everything. So yeah, that's, that's really where everything shifted. And I, in throughout college, try to start a bunch of different businesses, like a drop shipping store. I remember I like right when AirPods launched, I had these knockoff AirPods that I was getting from Alibaba was (laughs) drop shipping them on my website. And I sold like a couple pair to my teammates and, one teammate, he got them, probably paid 10 bucks for them, but they broke literally the day after he got them. So I was like, okay, this might not be a sustainable business model. Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Had to back. give him a refund and everything. I was like, damn, this isn't a sustainable business model. But so, yeah, through, throughout college, tried a bunch of different things. The next was a videography company, had no background in videography, didn't really like it at all. But I was like, okay, this might work. Companies need videos. And it, it was just super interesting because after I moved out to Arizona, it was it was the same process of just trying something, seeing if it worked, and then kind of jumping to the next thing. But I think part of that was because I wasn't really necessarily passionate about anything I was doing. I was just trying something where I saw an opportunity in the market, which essentially is what entrepreneurship is. But it, it's crazy how everything worked out with Arizona entrepreneurs because it's exactly what I was looking for when I moved out here. I was trying these different businesses, hit my head against the wall, completely failing, had no guidance, no relationships. And I started to realize in my life that I need to start to surround myself with people who are where I want to be. I need to learn from them, learn what's working for other entrepreneurs because trying to do it all by myself clearly is not working. And so as I started to look to 
you know, make other relationships and connections with people who are where I want to be. I started going to these different networking events and, and things like that. But I, that's when I really noticed the need in the market because I couldn't find something consistent where I can go have an amazing time and meet some quality people that are going to be long-term relationships. It felt very, at least in the, in the networking space, it felt very like stale and like boring. There wasn't really some something you can go to and actually enjoy yourself. So that's kind of when I really how it happened is I was driving Uber at the time. I remember this story specifically. I was driving Uber, looked on my phone. I was like, okay, I need to, I need to find a place to connect with these people. So I typed in Arizona entrepreneurs on Instagram and there wasn't an account. So like that is literally That's shocking. How, I know you're telling <laughs> so me. So you went, you grabbed it. I grabbed the account and then I started putting out a little bit of content. And then I was like, let me just check the LLC. The LLC wasn't taken. The yeah, like the do- domain wasn't taken. So it seems like this genius idea. But I was like, why didn't why didn't anybody have those those assets? But yeah, basically started to claim those things and put out content. And then I didn't really have a big vision for it. I just figured, like, worst-case scenario, I could, you know, sell all these things to to somebody. But, yeah, basically started putting out content. I quickly realized everybody, and I think it was because the name, everybody thought we were, like, this big, credible company already because they're, like, Arizona entrepreneurs. They must be doing something. (laughs) So everyone's reaching out, like, you guys have events. What are you doing for entrepreneurs? And I was like, I mean, we do now. Yeah, yeah, we do. We. Yeah. But yeah, so then basically I saw what people were looking for. They were looking for exactly what I was. And then I connected the dots and was like, you know, why, why don't I start this? Why don't I start to put these events together and bring people together? Who does it mainly appeal to? I mean, entrepreneurs is a pretty large word. And and the folks that I've met who are aligned with you, just a mm-hmm. handful, clearly, you're all young. Mm-hmm. Is it really a group of younger entrepreneurs or is anybody welcome? And is there a particular type of entrepreneur that it speaks directly to? Mm-hmm. Good question. So I think, and it might just be based off like who I'm attracting yeah. into the community because it's a, it's for any entrepreneur and it is a broad organization as far as who it's for because really any type of business owner, but it has been a, a younger demographic at majority of our events. I would say like 25 to 45 is kind of like the sweet spot of the, the people that are at the events. But yeah, it, it spans really across you know, different industries, different age groups, and then also different levels of entrepreneurship. There's people just starting off and people who are have been in business for a super long time that are crushing it. So yeah, and I think that's part of the value of it, because a lot of times there will be networking groups and communities that might be specific to an industry, but there's so much value that can be exchanged across industries. And I think that a lot of the networking groups that I'm familiar with, and I participated in really have been around for so long that it really does kind of draw an older crowd, mm-hmm. uh, older as an age-wise. Mm-hmm. It's actually connections and conversations like this. That's why I opened Phoenix Business Radio X, because I really got tired of going to networking events and not feeling like I was getting what I was going for. Mm-hmm. I have to take some responsibility for that, right? We, you know, any, Anywhere we go, you, you go with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at the same time, it was such a crapshoot for me to stand in a networking group of maybe 100 people and hope to meet so-and-so or so-and-so, right? And everybody is in, let me tell you about me, 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 and didn't always feel like I had an opportunity to have that reciprocation. So that's why I did this, because now people come to me. Mm-hmm. However. Uh, I'm fascinated when someone creates a networking community and is really clear about how important the connections and the relationships are. And you both have spoken to that today. Let's talk a little bit about what makes someone a great connector. What are the ingredients there? So 
personally for me, and I, I've seen so many great connectors, people who have introduced me to people, and I and I could always notice it in someone when it, when you know I see those qualities. And like I said, Aaron, literally when I first met him, he like pulls out a note sheet and writes all the people he wants to introduce me to. And I think that is literally what makes a great connector, someone who someone who goes out there and makes relationships for themselves and then makes a point to try to introduce those relationships and really just lead lead with value in relationships to where if he knows someone that could support me and everything that I'm doing, he makes that introduction. It instantly makes, you know, Aaron valuable because he's leading with value like that. So yeah, personally for me, that's that's really what I think makes a great connector, someone who is just constantly meeting new people, introducing people to one another, and just trying to provide value to everybody they know. Right. And giving giving without expecting to receive exactly. directly is what I'm hearing inherent in what you're saying. Yeah. Aaron, to add to that, what would you suggest would be a big component of connecting? My cold brew is kicking in, so we're... <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, let's contrast what it's not. not good connector is. You know, most of the, the networking events I've been to, many of the expos and formulas for putting people in the same room only puts people in the same room. If there's a transaction, it's not a good connection. And that's not to say there can't be a transaction, but if that's the focal point, you actually don't pay attention to the person in front of you. You're just transactional. I think the other is that most of the not good connectors are selfish and are unable to like open up their heart enough to be themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's inauthentic. And if you're those three things, it's, it's actually very hard to connect, right? You're just like, um, like the outlet is covered. It's got like one of those baby covers on the outlet and you're trying to build some kind of connection and the circuit won't complete. A good connector, in my opinion, is intentional. Uh, what you're talking about is just being intentional, right? If, if I'm sitting down next to you and you say, hey, I, I'm, I'm really interested in uh, skydiving. Can I pay attention enough to say, hey, I love to be a part of you bridging the gap. I'm going to be intentional about that. The other thing a good connector does is understands that people are solutions. It doesn't have to be a product. It doesn't have to be a service. And in order to, to really maximize that, all you need to do is do an email, send a text. It's really simple. It's incredibly simple. I think that we like to... In business, we like to, to draw these lines in ways that are really complicated rather than just say, hey, just, just talk to Devin. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can do that, by default, you are intentional and you're, you're adding a lot of value in a non-transactional way. And I, I think that the way I like to think of a network, this may help you if you're trying to figure out how to begin. If you think of it like a bank, I like to think of it like a bank. Every time I draw a connection between one of you two or to somebody else, I'm putting in a penny. And my job is to fill the bank. Jar, one of those like five-gallon water jugs. Fill it up. Because every time I ask for something, I'm taking out a quarter. And if I'm not filling the bank, eventually I'm just going to be at zero. You wow. cannot call and ask for favors until the bank is full. And the bank doesn't need to be full person to person. Gosh. It needs to be full on aggregate. And a good connector understands the math right? If you simply are like, hey, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, it would be very easy for me to ask for help. It's much more valuable in the long run to say, what do you need for help? Who do you need to meet? Let's, let's put these together. Now I'm stacking up the bank account. When I have an ask, there's trust, there's credibility, and there's some kind of intention that the other person has to serve because they've already been served, right? Leaders eat last. And that's the end of our show today. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> yeah. Have some more cold brew. Wow. Uh, beautifully said. As you're both chatting about that, I'm also thinking about the value in 
active listening when we are meeting people. And again, it's one of those underlying um, foundations for what you're both speaking to. I think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle for people who may feel like they fall flat when it comes to longer term or deeper relationships. They walk away thinking, how come that person didn't help me? Or how come they don't want to do business with me? Or poor me, I haven't met the right people in months or whatever it is. And if they can shed and strip away their desire to be the one that's noticed and getting what they need and in turn be of service and simply start by listening, not to fix anything, not to have to necessarily make that connection right away, but simply be uh, able to hear what others are saying and tune into themselves (laughs) to find out where can I add value. Even it's simply eye contact and giving people my ear for a few minutes. I, th- so I think sometimes it gets, it, you know, in the beginning, it's as basic as that. Practice there. Yeah. Yeah. And listening is simple. It's hard. Yeah. It's, sim- it's super simple. Like, you don't need a calculator to figure it out. Yeah. It just, you have to set down your own stuff. For years, I, I, I've always wanted to connect deeply with people. So whether it was a social setting or in a business setting, if someone mentioned skydiving or this or that or this, I wanted to like, you know, hey, here's here's what I've done and the kind of the see, you know, see me and and hear me. And now I've gotten much better because of this experience the last five years. Even though I may have similar connections or experiences, most of the time I can just sit and and hold space for other people's story, which feels very refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think in in the case of bringing a bunch of entrepreneurs together, it's always fascinating because you get to see really quickly who's listening and who's not. Right. So true. And everyone everyone in a group of entrepreneurs, at least in my experience, has some kind of chip on their shoulder. And I do think that's a really critical part of the entrepreneur experience. You got to have a chip because you're what fighting is, What is the chip? The chip could be, I'm proving something to me. I'm proving something to others. There's a whole healing journey there. First, you want to prove something to others. Then you prove something to you. Then you realize you don't have anything to prove and you do it for the love of it. <laughs> so there's a whole series of phases there. But in a room of entrepreneurs, everyone has this like, I've got to show you that I'm somebody. Whether we wear it, whether we talk it, there's like, I got to prove to you that I'm valuable and that I'm, not, I'm serious in this. And that's, that's the fastest way to see who in, the, who in the room doesn't have anything to prove. Who's confident enough to just say, hey, what do you need? What are you, where are you at? What are you struggling with? And I find even questions like that, that, that prompt listening are hard to come by in a group where everyone is fighting for, trust me, I'm credible. I'm here. I'm the person. Because we all have to be the leader in our group. And when you put a bunch of leaders in the room, it's very easy to be like, who's clawing for attention? It's really interesting. And that goes back, I think, to your business where you help people get out of their own way. Am I understanding correctly that you're teaching people how <laughs> to resonate at a higher vibration mm-hmm. and get out of their own way through some of these techniques and strategies. And strategy is an awful word, but the, being being consciously aware of how I'm showing up in the space mm-hmm. and probably clearing out some of the, the shadows and the cobwebs in my thinking. Though that, absolutely. And the patterns that exist in us are usually shadows from a long time <laughs> or habits or patterns that we adopted yes. in order to not feel pain. Right. They're, they're, they're just avoidance tactics. And if you can remove that, you no longer need to stand out by being defiant. You can stand out by being still. And that's a, that's a 
that's been a very big shift in my life. If, if, there, if there's chaos going around me, you'll notice me in the middle of the room still. And that, that has taken a lot of years of practice, but that attracts people to me. I don't have to force it. And that's probably been the biggest edge that I have coming into a new city is I don't need to force it. I'm not, I'm not here to force it. I don't need to extract. I'm okay. I'm just here to be a part of this ecosystem. Does that mean that you don't panic or you don't freak out a little bit? Have you got that all dialed in? Or is it that you've learned how to wrangle that tiger when it shows up? The tiger and I are friends. Yeah. In in most cases. You know, I'm, I'm human, so I fail at this yeah. miserably sometimes too. And I have my own coaches that help me through sure. mine. The thesis that I try to live by though is that most people see their tiger and they don't want to see it. They don't want to own it. They don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, like I don't want to acknowledge that I have one and I'd rather be really good friends with it because it's also a really powerful force, right? Yeah. If there's a a beast inside me, I I want to be friends with it so I can hone it and control it. I don't want to run from it. And I I spent most of my 20s running from that. My best friend checked in with me this morning and asked how I was doing. Haven't been feeling well uh, physically the last couple of days after running so hard over the weekend. But I've said I've been toggling back and forth between gratitude and an all-too-familiar, never-enough feeling. Mm. We're going to talk about the um, imposter syndrome here. <laughs> I'm looking at you because I know we, we had that prompted for today. Uh, like you just shared with knowing your body, I know this will pass, and it doesn't require any fixing or deep deep dive. Every time I used to have a tiger in my midst, I'd be, oh, no, I'm afraid of the tiger. Run or get me the pellet gun or whatever it is. And what's wrong with me? Freak out moments like this have always dropped me into stronger faith. And I finally understand it is designed that way. Wow. Right? It just, some, I mean, in a, say, in a sense, summarizing what you're saying, if we're doing well and we're being of service and we're growing, and for me, and I think that the same for the two of you, if I'm living my purpose, shit's going to happen. I'm going to be challenged. Someone's going to come into my life and, and maybe we're not going to get along or, or a situation arises that I don't have the answer for. And what you're sharing is, is a perfect way to look at it. That's to be expected. It's part of the program. So how can I be in union with that and fall in love with that experience so I can get to the next level? Yeah. 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 Devin, what you, what's your tiger like? How do you, how do you wrestle your tiger? And, and, and speak to, at some point, imposter syndrome as well. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as the tiger, that's an interesting concept. I haven't heard it broke down that way. But yeah, I think we we all have that tiger in our life. For me personally, I feel like that's still stuff that I'm coming to terms with and trying to understand how to properly face that tiger. Because like you were saying, there's a lot of like deep stuff internally from like way back when that you have to confront. Um, so for me, I'm still in that process and trying to figure out how to best manage myself when when situations like that do arise and, and I'm in stressful situations. But I feel like over time and and the best way to do it, like you said, you spent your whole 20s working on that. I feel like it's going through it and experiencing it and figuring out how to cope with it and then working with coaches and, and learning from them. So um, yeah, still in that process. But to talk to the imposter syndrome thing. So for me, this was something that I struggled big with like when I when I first launched Arizona Entrepreneurs because I had literally moved out to Arizona. I did not know anybody. I just failed three businesses, like was in the red, like lost quite a bit of money on these different businesses, was driving Uber full time. <laughs> and, and found it, two words it, that came together beautifully. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Arizona entrepreneurs. Yeah. And all of a sudden you were a we and you were still party one exactly. Uber driver, right? <laughs> exactly. So, but you can imagine like going through this. Well, so I was very passionate about entrepreneurship and connections. So I knew that like this felt right. But at the same time, I was like, who am I to start this when I literally right. just failed three businesses? I like I have nothing to show for this. Mm-hmm. And so I had the Instagram page for a while. I was building the audience and everything. And it like 
was to the point to where I was like, should I monetize this? Should I like actually start, you know, a community with this? And I remember having those thoughts going through my head and someone who was kind of a mentor at the time, someone I looked up to, I, I basically voiced that to him. I was like, you know, I, I've, I've started to build up this thing here, but I don't really know what I'm doing with it. I don't think I should monetize. I'm scared to charge because like, I don't know if I could provide enough value. Like I have no track record. And he was basically like, he's like, Devin, this, this is your success story. You're an amazing connector. You're amazing with people. This is literally what's going to help you to, you know, to, to grow, to one, grow your first business and have a success with it, but to also do exactly what you want to do as, as far as build connections. And then when I came from that frame of mind, I realized I was like, okay, all I'm doing is I'm facilitating and bringing people together. Mm -hmm. So I'm completely capable of doing that. And at the end of the day, if absolutely nothing works out from this, I'm going to start to meet some people and I'm going to make some connections. So literally nothing can go wrong with it. It'd be a lot better than my videography failed business. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really all upside. But yeah, so basically I, I started it, started doing the in-person events, like, you know, launched the membership community and everything. And through doing that, through experiencing that, I started to gain a little bit of confidence and realize that I am capable of doing this. And it, and it just continued to escalate into the next thing. And, and one, one thing, Jesse actually would laugh at this. So public speaking as well. That was something that I, you know, was not trying to do at all. I remember like one of the first couple of events I didn't speak at, nor did I even think to do. I was like, your event, but you're not going on stage. You're not opening not. your mouth. I, no, no. <laughs> I get it. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. So one of my friends was like, I think it's really important that you speak at your events and really like share the story and what you're doing. And I, I was like, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I disagree because I ain't trying to get up there. <laughs> yes, and, thank you, and no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But a couple of days before, like, the next event that I hosted, I was like, okay, I think that is important. I'm just going to push myself. I'm going to commit to doing it. Told some of my friends I'm going to do it. Got the speaker and everything. And come the event, I remember it, there was only, like, 15 minutes left of the event. I was like, I ain't going up there. <laughs> and Jesse's like, bro, the people want to hear you. I'll, I'll get them all together. He's like, come on. He, like, literally dragged me out there. And I'll go up there all nervous, like, words stuttering and everything everything. But like, if I wouldn't have gotten out of my own way, and I wouldn't have pushed myself to do that, I like I would have had that imposter syndrome the whole time thinking I'm not, you know, good enough or whatever to stand up there and to address the audience like that. But doing it that first time then gave me the confidence to do it again. And then now having done it dozens of times, like I feel really comfortable doing it. And I, I look forward to it. But I just noticed in my life, and throughout these first few years that I've been in entrepreneurship, every time something super scary happens or every time something that makes me feel really uncomfortable is starting to take place in my life whenever I push through that. There's just so much, so much that happens on the other side, so many powerful things. And it's designed that way. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's literally designed that way. Yeah, most of the time when we feel like we're afraid or we don't want to bust out of our comfort zone, we find ways to shrink and hide. And what you're describing is just that understanding, like, okay, I'm going to, and, and having the right people in your corner, Definitely. which is what we're talking about, coaches and buddies and partners and clients, you name it, even love relationships and families, mm -hmm. people who rally around us and say, I see who you are and, and you got to do this. Yes. And we have a little bit of a, of a nudge to do that. Yeah. yeah. Tell Aaron, is there a time that you, recent time? that you had when you were feeling like, oh my God, my comfort zone is being stretched way more than I'm prepared for. Right? Something you'd be willing to speak to? Oh man, I could talk to this all day. M moving here was that for me. And I felt like you felt going on stage, right? Like my, my whole, not just identity, but my whole world was cocooned in Baltimore. 
moving to a new city meant a couple things. So, so there was a lot of change happening at the same time. Moving to a new city, having a kid, either one of those things alone is plenty. Um, I was also letting go of a business partnership. And I think through those three things felt like I was somehow armorless. Like I was just out in the open waiting for spears to come across the horizon. The biggest challenge there was trusting that I would be okay. It it showed me the tiger of like, do you trust yourself? Yep. What has since come from that is by recognizing that my tiger was, hey, do you trust yourself? It wasn't just, do I trust myself? I, I very much do. It was, do you trust yourself at zero? Because there's always these insulation capsules that, you know, hey, I know this network. Hey, I know these people. My best friends are here. I, I can lean on one of these pillars to hide the fact that my tiger right now is roaring like crazy. And instead, to be here at zero, new kid, I'm, I'm developing into a new person. Like, what's it mean to be a dad? Also, the challenge that I've had with, with being a, a father is that it's the first time in my life where something is forever. Right. Everything else can change. Everything else. That's forever. That title is forever. That doesn't just go away no matter what happens. Like, that doesn't go away. So I was wrestling with all those things and battling and grappling with, do I actually trust myself at zero? And what I noticed is that that tiger of scarcity started to pop up as well. So there's a second tiger. When you act and operate that way, right? Talk about being still in chaos. When scarcity pops up, you freak out. The reality was, I'm not at zero. All the stripes that I've earned all the way here, I, I don't lose those. I'm not at zero. I'm at like 400. I've learned how to connect. I've learned how to be still in chaos. And can I find good people to surround myself with? There's a lot of ways to do that. So the entire process of me being at zero again was reframed into, I'm not at zero. I'm at a clean board. Yeah. I'm at a brand, like I love wiping off my whiteboard at the end of the week and setting up new goals. Yeah, just like that. Just a new city, new, new canvas. Can I paint a different image? So a lot of that was very similar to, to me, it's, it's all the same, right? Can I walk on stage and speak my story? Can I walk into Arizona and speak my story? The same thing, just different stage. I know Aaron is familiar with this. Um, at 57 years old, I had to start my life over financially three years ago. <laughs> you do not look 57. Yeah, well, I am. I'm 58 in December. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, just had a life crisis three years ago that was um, kind of bestowed upon me by my then husband and found out that I had not only didn't have any money, I had a lot of debt that I was not aware of. And so thank goodness for a community. People helped me keep the studio open and take care of my son and I. And um, I've done my work and I continue to do my work. So I was able to find pause in, I am literally at zero mm. <laughs> and then reframing it to, to again, uh, piggyback of what, of what you're sharing so important to be able to really look at ourselves in the mirror and say, wow, this really sucks right now. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to. It's the story that I'm telling myself. Yes. That's the only thing that's happening right now is that the story that I'm telling myself is that I'm at zero. Life sucks. I've been held, handed a bad card, whatever. And I can either lay down and let the tiger eat me whole mm -hmm. <laughs> and then have the, um, the buzzards come in afterwards and <laughs> pick up the, what's left of me. Or... I can pretend like I'm dead until the tiger walks away and I can get up, brush myself up and, and move on to a, a better life, which is, is the life that I'm creating now. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I feel like I, I noticed that so much with trying to maintain a positive thought process. 
to where you have to rephrase those thoughts in your head, like to where something happens and, and instantly your first instinct would be like, oh shit, like this is bad. Yeah. But to where you do rephrase that thought, like you were saying, and brush yourself off and get up. And I mean, this, this is not, you know, as significant of a, you know, an example, but literally, so we had our summit like two weeks ago and like two of our keynote speakers, like our headline speakers, they, they had to cancel like a week prior and so that was an instance where, like, my first instinct was like, oh, my gosh, what am I about to do? But then, like, starting to rephrase that thought and realize, okay, if I if I continue to go down this thought process and panic about it, nothing good is going to come from it. So just started, you know, calling people, reaching out to people and trying to find some other speakers. And we ended up having, like, some some amazing speakers take their place. Some it went amazing and everything. But I, I just remember it was just interesting you said that because I literally remember two weeks ago, like having to rephrase that thought instantly being in panic mode and just changing that thought to being optimistic. A couple of things on, on that note that you're having me think about. You did a comparison, like not that this is big as what mm-hmm. you've dealt with trauma, chaos, and stress. Don't know the difference between what I've got going on and what you've going on. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's relative. <laughs> yeah. So um, and I think that's so important for people to realize because we begin to compare ourselves to either the 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 you that we think that you ought to be or other people. Aaron's got it better. Devin's got it easier, whatever it is. Or, wow, I don't have it as hard as Karen. Therefore, I should feel guilty that this was a big struggle for me, all that. Um, we have to remember that trauma, chaos, and stress doesn't know anything besides com- uh, excuse me, chaos, trauma, and stress. And how do we shift it? is what we're talking about, right? What's the story that I can tell myself going forward? And then I think the other piece of this is, is you mentioned positive thinking. Positive thinking is critical, but we can't put it on top of the chaos without recognizing that the chaos is there. So the metaphor that I learned a long time ago by one of my first mentors and coaches, Debbie Ford, was you can't put ice cream on top of poop. (laughs) because when you take a few bites of that ice cream, at some point that spoon's deep diving into the poop. I feel ill. (laughs) Right? But it's true. (laughs) Right? Uh, Yeah. So you have to be able to look at what's in there and can I clear it, make peace with it, um, have a relationship with it, call it what it is. It's shit, shit is shit. And then build from that place. Yeah. I also think this happens in the winds. So we're talking about in the losses, right? Yes. Where you're like, well, this loss is different than this loss. So the magnitudes are off and, and the same happens with wins. We might say, I got my first client. It's not a big deal, right? This, this is how we're in our own way. Uh, you know, it's it's not a big deal. It's just, yeah, it's, it's like a $5, 5000 whatever your number is, right? And we, we use comparison to diminish our own progress. Whether it's, this is my first event or this is the biggest event. It's still a win. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the win is. On both sides, it's the comparative that diminishes the value of the moment. The value of the moment might be, man, I'm learning a tough lesson right now. That might be the like your cell phone broke because you just bought a cell phone and now you're broke. So both things broke. It might also be, hey, you know, this is amazing. I just got signed by a major company to run this 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 like really cool event internally. In entrepreneurship in particular, I think this happens outside of it too in personal matters, but we are so nefariously critical of our own damn wins. We're like, it doesn't matter. And I think deep down, that's because we don't feel confident in celebrating us. We don't feel good enough being like, this is my win. It's, my, it's, it's a big step for me. It doesn't matter what that is. That could be selling your first painting or opening up shop, right? Signing your lease. It doesn't matter. 
I think we're hesitant to do that on both sides, not just the, not just the bad stuff. So I'm imagining you and I both on social media, because we've had a chance to kind of watch each a little bit. I haven't seen Devin yet, but I know that's coming. I know that the three of us are fairly visible within our communities with the very things that you're talking about. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sensing that you talk about your wins as much as you talk about your losses and some of the fear and the things that you're going through. Is that... Like on um, social media? Yeah. 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 And I know I've seen you do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so for our listeners who are looking to build themselves um, digitally and put themselves out there, is there a fine balance between how much I can share of myself vulnerably and, and still be authentic? Or do I have to put this veneer or this mask on to be always appear perfect. I know I personally don't. And, and again, that's sometimes where I, I have those oh shit moments. I post something and then I go to sleep and the next day I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope no one saw that. And I open it up. Oh yeah, it's too late to take that down. <laughs> I don't know that there's a balance, but I know that people don't want to see a story end poorly, right? We, we don't go to a movie where the hero doesn't win. We go to the movie where the hero wins. Mm-hmm. And there have been movies where I'm watching, I'm like, oh my God, it's ended super poorly. I am sad. Yes. And for the you know, like the rest of the week, I'm like, what? Why did the story end that way? So I think the vulnerability is a, an important mix and your, your spread of that is largely based on what you're feeling. I do think it's important to share the wins if you're going to be vulnerable. So if my mix is probably 90% vulnerability and like, this is what I'm going through. That's also a part of my brand is, yes. hey, th- you have to face this. You have to wrestle your tiger. And then I can say, hey, check this out. This was this was dope for me. This was another notch of, of progress for me. But in one without the other just feels like I'm telling a story to get attention versus right. I'm narrating my whole journey. And that that's the way I think of it is not the mix, but the purpose of it. I want, I want people to win. I want the people I work with to win. I want the people I don't work with. I want you guys to win. I want everybody to win. Do you understand, though, that that's going to take looking in the mirror, wrestling the tiger, getting beat up? Tell me that story, too. Don't just tell me that you're doing awesome. Thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I would completely agree. And I just think, like, the most influential people that I follow and the people in the space that I really look up to, they're very vulnerable with sharing the things that aren't going well for them. So I think that's really how we as humans connect with people and are able to resonate with someone's story. And something that I do a lot throughout my content, this is kind of, it, it shows both. It shows the beginning of the journey as well as, you know, to where things are at now, is, but kind of like put together different content and reels to show like the whole process of like, you know, where, where things were and to, to how things have grown and the wins that have come from it. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's really just being vulnerable, being authentic, being your true self and showing the entire journey versus just the highlights, which I feel like is what social media is these days for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have just a few minutes left before we close out today's episode's super fast hour. Thank you both for being here. I want to see what you both have to think about workforce in the future. Like where are we going as as a workforce, right? Whether it's a solopreneur, party of one, or it's a, you know, small to medium-sized team or enterprise, maybe there's a different answer for each of that. But as as we look at contributing to society and providing for our families, where do you think the workforce is going? Damn. <laughs> and we only have two minutes. No, just, no, we we've got more than that. <laughs> I'll just kind of give my, my thoughts to it. So really what I think, or at least what I've seen over the past two years, for say, is there is a lot of people entering that entrepreneur space, but I feel like it's a lot more solopreneur, freelance type base to where it's not necessarily having these 
huge teams, but being able to essentially run your own business and and do things kind of as your as yourself. So that's what I've been seeing a lot of, but I'm not sure exactly how to answer that properly as far as where the workforce is going. But I think the last two years with COVID and everything has encouraged a lot of people to start their own businesses because they realize even working a W-2 job isn't isn't guaranteed and there, there's still risk with that. So I think that's getting a lot more people involved in entrepreneurship. And it just now comes down to the trajectory of that and how many people are going to fall off, how many people are going to stick with that and continue to pursue their businesses. Very well said. Yeah, I really love that. And and hopefully the the individuals that experience that and and may not find their success can take that mentality into work because there's a lot of value in being entrepreneurial inside of an organization. My sense is Mm -hmm. that organizations, uh, workforce in general is moving away from transaction and into values. So what's driving people to stay in a company is community, is the connectivity and value orientation. So people are leaving jobs. The the stats are alarming. People are leaving jobs fast because they don't feel valued. And the company values don't match their values. And if that's happening, right, if you play that that streak out a little bit, leadership is going to have to evolve to a place of clear values to attract people and keep people, or they're going to be left stranded with individuals that are just mercenaries. And mercenaries work. You can get a lot done with mercenaries. But you're talking about a Pareto 80-20. Like, I can get more done with 20 people than that are aligned with my values than with 80 people that are just mercenaries. And I pay for and hire on values. Can we have a conversation? I want to know who you are. I want to know the person you are. Then we're good. Because when there's conflict, the first thing where conflict arises is in values. So I'm, I'm likely to prevent more problems by focusing on values. If, if I look at what's happening in corporate America, this is the driving factor. I don't want to get out of here. This corporation sucks. It doesn't have values. They don't care about my family, my needs, my my well-being. They just want the dollar to move. And entrepreneurs are scooping up phenomenal talent for less money because the individual's values is not money. The individual values the other things. Where I see this playing out in five or 10 years is a, a, a very interesting flip of power away from an individual looking at a corporation as a solution to their problem and looking to entrepreneurs and looking to, to values-based organizations. Mm-hmm. Not, could be nonprofits, could be small orgs, could be communities. But I really think we're in the middle of a, a very unique employment restructuring that we, ha- we haven't seen this kind of change since like the Industrial Revolution where everyone was like, go inside and work in this, this factory. And now the factory model is like, well, shit, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. And we're, I'm watching peers that are like, dude, I don't know if the salary is worth it anymore. That's crazy. Because that's been, that's been the driving factor for employment in corporations for almost 100 years. That's crazy to see reshape. So I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller, but I'm watching a trend start. Well, it, and it you're and like you're it. in there. You're working with the corporations that value yeah. their people, yeah. value and are clear about what their values are and what they bring to the world. And you get to help them take that to the next level through education and focus on uh, being their best self in addition to the financial component too. So you're 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 seeing it. I, I think you are. Yeah. You are a, someone we can lean on and say, hey, what's happening here? Well, interestingly, I ran a workshop in uh, a small team in Microsoft who had only connected virtually for the last two years. Two years only connected virtually. So it's like square boxes Mm -hmm. and shoulders. And their biggest challenge was not helping each other. 
That was their biggest challenge. And I had them close their eyes and raise their hand if they liked helping other people. All of them raised their hand and they open up their eyes and they're like, oh man, everyone here likes to help. But if you just have your status quo conversations, hey, how are you doing today? Okay, cool. Uh, so Bob over there needs this. This person needs this. You miss the opportunity to actually help and connect. And what we did was sort of orient them towards a mission and give them real clarity on why are you connecting in the first place? And can you have a conversation that isn't transactional? That group of people, it was nine people, I believe, maybe eight, can now have a values-based relationship rather than a transactional relationship. And that's a simple example. I'm not the only one doing this work, but I'm, I'm seeing it more and more where people are like, dude, I, I sit in my house and I just answer Zoom calls about business. And then I leave and I have to build a world of connections and I have none. I and forgot, we spend, I forgot how to do it or yeah, I've never been taught. Yeah. We spend a lot of time at work. I don't want to do that shit that sucks. Right. I don't want to do that at all. Right. We could talk far longer than we are allowed to today. We're going to wrap it up. How can people stay in touch with you? Where do we find you out in the digital world? And do you have another event coming up? Yeah. So we actually have our two-year anniversary event on November 10th in Scottsdale. So I'm coming, yeah. I think. I'm going to have to make sure I'm there. Awesome. If I'm invited, I'm just invited. Of course, of course you're invited. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's our next in-person event. And then as far as connection, Instagram's where we're most active at. Okay. So our Instagram is Arizona Entrepreneurs Claim That Username. <laughs> and it. then uh, my personal is Devin Ray Butler. And then our website is just ArizonaEntrepreneurs.com. So good to get to know you. I understand well. why Jesse and Aaron love you. <laughs> I'm now I'm now that. part of the Devon fan club. <laughs> uh, and then I'll see you um, at least one of the days for immersion. Yeah, I'm actually going to be there the fourth as well. So okay. I think you said you're there. I'm that actually going to stay the night on the third. Are you? <laughs> I said to Jesse, "Is there room at the end for me on uh, the night of the third? And he's like, "I bet we can make that arrangement." So, <laughs> and I'm going to do a cold plunge at, in the morning. Oh yeah, and, uh, I'll be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's Great to awesome. have you with us, Aaron. How can people stay in touch with you? Where's the best place? Oh, uh, well, they can find me at, at that. I got to make sure my timelines yes. work out, but I, I will probably be on there the, as well. On the 10th. Yep. Very yeah. Very good. So we can all, we can all hang out there. Uh, my website is AaronVelke.com. Really, really simple. The website for Money Club is WeAreMoneyClub.com. All of the social platforms, my name works. So just search for it there. Uh, and if you're stuck in your own way, go to my website, fill out a form. Talk to you for 45 minutes, see if I can help. And no doubt. You can. <laughs> You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.